now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic show, folks. It's the coach flying solo right now. Going to be joined in just a minute by my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. If my voice sounds a little bit different today, that's because, uh, well, it sounds a little better than yesterday when I had zero voice. But uh, we're going to, you know, play her today. We're going to see if we can fight through it and make it through a one-hour show. David Olson, keep your uh, producer extraordinaire, David Olson. Keep an eye on that volume control, my friend. But uh, certainly plenty to talk about. we got a Bulls and Miami Heat game five tonight at the United Center. Big game, 730 in a TNT. We've got a lot of baseball to talk about. The French Open from Roland here in Chicago. We call it Roland Burris Stadium out in beautiful Paris, France. I know the big dog is going to wax poetic on the Indy 500. Really, just about any weekend the big dog can wax poetic. He doesn't need the Indy 500. You can, you can wax poetic at the Beckons call. How are you, big dog? Uh, I'm doing really well, Coach, and I can't wax poetic about anything at Indianapolis 500. I know there's a couple chicks in the race this year. Hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully they, they drive fast. What? Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. Obviously, there's so much going on in the world of baseball. Mm-hmm. Importantly, here in the, the Chicago sports wise, we got the the Bulls uh, hosting the Heat, trying to get back into the series tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, and the last couple days. There have been some really odd, interesting, wacky stories going around the world, Coach, mm-hmm. that uh, I wanted to, to bring up with you today and, and get your opinion on them. Off, uh, it off. took me a little while to spot off, but I tell you, some of these are pretty funny, Coach. And, uh, are these off sports page or on? Oh, all of them off sports page. Off the sports page. Love when we go off the sports page. Uh, stuff to do with uh, who's getting the money of a... Uh, of a, a billionaire heiress who was a mm-hmm. recluse. Oh, she didn't leave her her condo in New York for thirty five years. Well, all of a sudden, oh, this is the this is the hundred and three year old lady that passed away. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yep. I got stuff, oh, and I also got stuff on the quote coming out of the people who did not get enveloped in the rapture this past Saturday, Coach. Mm-hmm. Some of the best quotes in the history of nonsensical <laughs> stuff I've ever heard in my life. When, when I read these to you, you uh-huh. better be sitting down is all I have to tell you, Coach. All right, well, I'm uh, voice malnutrition today, so we got Bulls pregame. And by the way, we were not on live yesterday, so we got to recap the Tuesday game. We got some baseball, some weird things happening in baseball we got to talk about, and then you're off the sports page stuff. I will let you uh, lead. And by the way, you may not have any Indy 500 stuff today. By tomorrow, 24 hours from now, you will become our Indy 500 expert, by my friend. I, I, I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I don't know about that. If that's going to happen, I, I have to do I, a lot of searching for work. I got to do uh, other stuff, and uh, so all I'll know is I will f- figure out if there still is 200 laps <laughs> in the race. By the way, it's the 100th anniversary. If that makes if that gives you any inspiration. Oh, it actually does. It, yeah. it does uh, give me inspiration, and yeah. and uh, they've raced it what about 90 times out of the 100. There was like a, during a couple wars they quit running it, mm-hmm. you know, because. Uh, uh, back then, like nowadays, you know, you, we can have two wars going on, hand out trillions of dollars to mm-hmm. uh, bankers that had, you know, that basically ran our economy into into the hellhole and, and have like 10 sports leagues going on and, and nobody even realizes we have wars going on. Back then, we used to say, hey, we can't race cars. This, the rubber and all this 
fuel and metal needs mm-hmm. to go to the war effort. Things are a little different than uh, they were like they're, they're over the last hundred yeah. years that the Indianapolis 500 has been around. Yeah, back in the day, some of our current athletes that were marveling on watching their uh, athletic feats or whatever sport it might be, some of them would be serving in the military. Oh, yeah. absolutely. We've yeah. done that before on our on our radio show. We've uh, you know we're not going to have time today. Maybe in the near future, which athletes today? Do you think would be, uh, you know, if we had a big war to fight, who are the top five guys you'd want representing us? Right? We did that before on our old radio show. Yeah, we used to do that. We used to get odd mm-hmm. ones every once in a while. Yep. Yep. Every once in a while. We were odd most of the time. What are you talking about? This is this is true. Yeah. By the, by the way, speaking of odd, we do have a new promo courtesy of your photographer and the beautiful and lovely, what was her name? Oh, that would be Renee Domenz. Renee uh, Domenz, who was in here on Wednesday. Delightful, delightful people. But up on our Facebook page and our website, a new promo for the show, Big Dog, featuring your big mug. Oh, really? That's I, I, that's good to know, Coach. Yes, new pictures up as well. Now, we're still waiting for Rob to do uh, something. Well, he did put up five minutes of the one show when we were yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. He got that going. So, beautiful, uh, beautiful. We, All right. We, We'll have enough. If we keep doing this enough, maybe we'll have enough, you know, for like a 30-second promo. <laughs> it's like our top ten highlights of the year. Where usually in December, we've only got like six highlights. We can never quite put together a top ten highlight show. Yeah, we've been here for a year and a half, and now <laughs> we have, we've already summed up at least a seven-second highlight. It's good to know. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, can we do Bulls first? Absolutely. Uh, before? First Bef- and foremost on my mind in Thank terms you. of things that aren't really important in my life. Yeah, and it was frustrating. <laughs> uh, it was frustrating having no voice yesterday. We couldn't be on. We apologized to the listeners. Had to do a replay show yesterday but because uh, there were so many things wanted to talk about. But your thoughts, first of all, and again, we'll preview tonight's game, but uh, the Bulls losing to the Miami Heat in overtime. Another, uh, if nothing else, entertaining game. It, it, it's, it's really simple. Right now, Tom, uh, Tom Thibodeau is being out coach, and the, here's the only thing he needs to change. The reason why the Bulls lost game four, different reasons why they lost two and three, but I, if, if you, if you differ on me than this, I'll be really surprised, coach. The reason why the Bulls lost game four is mm-hmm. flat out simple. Their two most important players were exhausted during the last three minutes of the game and all five minutes of overtime. Mm-hmm. Lou Aldang and Derrick Rose were actually I think one time I actually saw somebody called in the game just to hold Derrick Rose's tongue. <laughs> You've got to get C.J. Watson into the game a little bit more. You've got to get D. Rose. He needs Right when LeBron James came back into the game with six minutes to go and he'd been on the bench for four mm-hmm. or five minutes, and I mean, I was like, come on. Give me Derrick Rose yeah. with a little bit of rest the last uh, eight uh, minutes of the game. Yeah, I'll, agree with, I'll agree with you. And then, by the way, just as a sidelight, uh, speaking of tongues, you see LeBron James's tongue at the end of the game when he stuck his tongue out? No, I, I that I, I didn't know. I, I the, the channel was turned with thirty. That seconds is ago. one of the biggest, whitest, largest, most uh, obtrusive tongues I've ever seen. By the way, I've been told that many times. I think I have shown you my tongue. It's unbelievable. You got a big tongue. I've shown it to I, you before, Coach. I, I don't know that I've known it. I know your calves are very uh, spectacular, but I'm not that's sure not what I'm known for. I've, <laughs> I'm not sure I've noticed your time. I said it was a sidelight. It was just LeBron. There was one moment, like in the last minute or two minutes of the game, he made a great play, stuck his tongue out. I was like, wow. All right, that was a sidelight. Uh, yeah, definitely the fatigue was a factor. But, you know, Big Dog, I'm, I'm listening to all the experts. Well, and all what are the, they saying? Because well, I, I have not been able to listen to one bull heat thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was so disgusted. 
I've stayed away from it. Okay. And I tried not to, I've tried not to think about it at all yesterday, which oh. was pretty easy for me because then I had my head in the toilet. <laughs> Uh, but what I find interesting about it is, you know, it's all the talk about how Miami's, you know, just a better team than the Bulls. Their star's outplaying our star, and boom, 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 and boom, boom, boom. It's Miami's time. It's not Chicago's time yet. Isn't it interesting how all that talk and all that analysis could change on one play? Oh, if, if we score a basket with eight seconds left, all the analysis you heard, all the experts, local and national, it would have been completely turned around. I find that... I don't know, curious, I guess, if nothing else. No, yeah, I, I can go by just the way I feel, and I totally understand, because it, it could totally change, you know, after tonight, especially if C.J. Watson plays significant minutes and plays well. Yep. But, you know, you're exactly right. After game one, oh, well, this whole team is incredible. And, and otherwise, I went into this series extremely confident. You, you know how I felt going into this series, Coach. I yep. felt real, real confident. And then after game one, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got soft as a fan or something like that. I was just like, wow, they're really going to roll this team. I, I truly believe that deep down in my heart, Coach, I am absolutely shocked that we're going into Game 5 mm-hmm. and have a possibility of being eliminated right yeah, now. I am not. Really, seriously, I'm shocked. I'm okay. shocked. I, I am not. Miami Heat, pretty good team, and the Bulls have overachieved all season long. Not over yet, by the way. Bulls' victory tonight changes I, everything. But let me I, go back. Let me and go. I agree, and you're right. And if they do it tonight, yeah, pressure's on Miami. Experts are going to be like, wow, you know, it's going to be a tough one in Game Six. Well, yep. right now, the day before, they were talking about the great Heat's the greatest team we've seen since. Mm-hmm. Well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, the pressure. If they win tonight, the pressure will be on Miami because, oh my goodness, we don't want to lose, you know, at home and have to go back to the crazies at the United Center. So one win tonight can change it. But going back to a Tuesday's game, here's my issue. Here's my issue. Uh, first of all, you know, Ronnie Brewer gets the charging call on LeBron James. Thank you, referee, for not being afraid to make the call on the superstar. They showed the replay. It was a clear charge. Oh, right. yeah, who was bouncing and dropping yep. his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we all knew, Big Dog, that we needed to score there. It goes OT. The Bulls got about a one out of five chance to win. Now, the, the play the Bulls set up was isolation for Derrick Rose with LeBron James guarding him, and LeBron had been phenomenal in the fourth quarter guarding D. Rose. And... That didn't bother me as much as the decision to take it down to, for Rose to hold the ball. Eight, seven, six, five, four, and then to attack and then the pullback jump shot. Here, to me, the defense is at two disadvantages. One, you're in a cannot foul situation. Yes. Right? Yes. So that's big disadvantage for the defense. Secondly, you know as well as I know, offensive rebounds. Uh, uh, you know, on last second shots can win games. So having known those two things, you know, if you want to isolate Derrick Rose, that's fine. Get him the ball. Here's what I tell Derrick in the huddle. Push. In immediate attack, you either take it to the hole and shoot. Hey, all four other guys. No, no, you don't need to go back. All four other guys crash the board, see if we can get an O rebound. Uh, or D Rose, you know, push it up hard. And if they collapse, kick out, shoot, everybody offensive rebound. We needed to get that shot off with three, four seconds left for the offensive rebound, and we needed to attack the basket, not Derrick Rose delaying seven, six, five, four. Big mistake. I, 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 I said that. that it had to be attacking the basket, and don't. And if you have to create contact with LeBron James, you do it because if they call an offensive foul, they don't get foul shots. They get the ball back. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, Coach. You had to been the aggressor. I, 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 right now, if you say, hey, Miami Heat, do you want Derrick Rose taking a step-back jump shot over LeBron James from 20 feet uh, uh, 
to win the game tonight. Will you take that? Like, yeah, no problem, because that's about a 5% chance that shot was going to go in, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe 20. But if he does exactly what you say, everybody collapses, and when Derrick Rose misses the layup, Joe Kim Noah is getting the tip. Yes. Because, because just because Joel Anthony had to leave Joe Kim Noah to go uh, yep. to get on the uh, – you're exactly right. You have and, to get and, – and, and, and you know what? If they do kick it out, I'd rather have an open jump shot from anybody on the floor yep. than the, our, the MVP of the league, our best player, mm-hmm. taking a fadeaway shot over a six foot eight guy with arms as long as a tree. Yeah, the, uh, a dead, tired Derrick Rose, by the way, which yeah. you alluded to. Yes, exactly. Over a fresh guy that basically mm-hmm. is going to happen again, Derrick Rose. You're going to get a fresh LeBron James on you for the last three minutes of yeah. regulation. Yeah. Boy, LeBron James, you know, you talk about his great offensive exploits, but, man, you talk about defense. And, you know, what you forget about him is how big he is. He is six eight, big-boned dude. I mean, he's a huge dude, and for him to be able to move that quickly is truly amazing. Yes, yes. So, Tibbs, uh, uh, Tibbs, whatever the heck they call you. <laughs> Quite simply, get Derrick Rose some rest, and uh, we're better off. We're better off maybe being at a disadvantage for a little bit longer during the bulk and body of the game to mm-hmm. make sure when it's getting closed out, when the, the, the decision of the game is on the line, and not just how big of a comeback or how big of a lead you have to to protect. You got to get Derrick Rose some some some. You got to get him a break, coach, because. You have to be on your toes and fresh to play this team. The Heat are athletic. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key to the game is, is how well C.J. Watson plays. Because you know how, you know, if you don't play well, Sims will sit you. So maybe if Watson gets a couple, you know, driving layups or something like that and gives him some energy, he decides to keep Rose down there. Mm-hmm. And the longer he sits on the bench for the first uh, 42 minutes of the game, the better chance the Bulls have of winning yeah. tonight. They did uh, have C.J. in the lineup with Derrick Rose at the start of the fourth quarter, played both of them. Yes, which I, you know, I love that. But, mm-hmm. like, but at the time, I was like begging. I was like, this, they got to get Rose some rest. And then I, I saw CJ Watson, and I'm like, okay, they're going to get him some rest. He'll be good down the stretch. The next time I saw Derek mm-hmm. Rose, like, slapping him and, like, doing, you know, doing that thing with his shorts. And I was like, they're both, the kid's going to play all game. How many minutes did Rose play, coach? 50? Yeah, he sat for what? He played at least 50 of them. Sat for about four minutes in the first half. That was it. Played the entire second half and overtime. Okay, so 49 minutes. He mm-hmm. played. Uh, hey, Will Chamberlain, okay? When Will Chamberlain used to play 48 every single night. You want to comment on the uh, NBA playoffs? We're going to get to baseball, some off-the-sports page stuff as well. Big Dog and the Coach, 888-463-6748. The phone number, give us a call. We'll get you right on. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, other side of the glass. Big Dog, we should mention the uh, Dallas Mavericks completed the not sweep but 4-1 victory over Oklahoma City, 100-96 to yesterday. They came back. In a miracle win in Game Four, and they came back yesterday at home. They were down what about eight points with four minutes left. Um, yes, and they uh, they ended up making it. Uh, I mean, it was just an excellent fourth quarter, Coach. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for the Oprah Winfrey finale yesterday, I had to watch it. Never mind, Hardix. I didn't get to see the end of that game. Mm-hmm. I did see the Eric Maynard play. Did you see what he did at the end of that game when they were down two? I did the not. Backup, the backup point guard for Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Down two, okay, they have a chance to tie. He clears everybody out, including James Harden, pretty good offensive player, including uh, 
Kevin Durant. This is with how many seconds left? Uh, with about 25 seconds to go in a game, down to 14 seconds on the shot clock. He waves everybody off and tries to drive to the hole on Dirk Nowitzki. Pulls up, does a fadeaway jump shot, very similar to what Derrick Rose did. Except this guy only plays 15 minutes a game because he's a backup. Mm-hmm. And he's got Kevin Durant on the floor. And he waved everybody off and took a fadeaway jump shot and they came up like two feet short. It's like one of the worst shots in the history of playoff basketball. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. Like, it was... When they said they were like, "Wow!" Like the Mavs were like, "Did he really just do that?" They were like giggling on the sideline. It was that bad, coach. Tough, tough loss, and boy, what in game four they had what like a fifteen point lead with four minutes left. Yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. Coach. Wow. Yeah, At any yeah. rate, Dallas is going to head into the NBA Finals with a lot of momentum and a lot of rest too. Is uh, Dallas probably hoping for the Bulls to win a game tomorrow so they can get some more rest and get these teams a little bit more tired? But because yeah, no matter the, the series is going to start the same day, no matter what, oh, so they're going to okay. be as rusty. So they might as well root for the, the those two to play as many games as possible. Because you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to the days are set for television purposes for the finals. Okay. All right. Well, Dirk Nowitzki and the boys will be. Uh, Challenging one of the two teams. Obviously, it looks like the Miami Heat will see if the Bulls can hold serve a little bit at home tonight in the United Center. Big Dog, let's go to baseball uh, real quick. Your local team, the Chicago Cubs, uh, in a rain-shortened game, they lose um, six. Oh, I'm sorry, 7-4 to the New York Mets. Mike Quade out arguing that the game should not have been called because of rain. He probably should have been out at the start of the game arguing they never should have started that game. Yes, Brutal. yes. I, I don't understand because the, the hard rains didn't come down after that, Coach. I don't understand why they decided to stop it right there. Yep. It, it, that, he was right. It didn't make sense from everything they did all night. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand why it was, it was stopped there because it wasn't raining any harder and it was about to end in like half hour. Yep. So uh, to call it major league game, I know it's it's the Mets, the Mets and the Cubs, so nobody really cares because the team's <laughs> going to contend this year. But mm-hmm. here's the, what about the guys, the people at the game? They're sitting through it. Let them let them in. They paid mm-hmm. for the ticket. And if they're willing to sit through another two and a half innings. Let them do it. To call the game right there didn't did make any sense. I mean, if it was a downpour and it's player safety, all that other stuff, absolutely. It had nothing to do with it. So, mm-hmm. But uh, there was other interesting stories around baseball yes. last night. Uh, Coach, did you know that yesterday, and I watched the whole end of this game, Coach. I was transfixed. I should have probably been watching uh, the, the basketball game. But the Phillies beat the Reds last night mm-hmm. in 19 innings. It's the second longest game for both organizations, the the Phillies' longest game and the Reds' longest game were both 21 innings, and they were like one in 1890 and the other one in 1918. So that's it's been a long time since they played the game a game that long. And Wilson Valdez, coach, mm-hmm. did you hear about this? He became I, the, I, I watched the uh, replays. He became the first position player to start a game at a, at a position and end up getting the W since Babe Ruth. And it was like a, like ninety five years ago. And they're the only two to ever do it. Yeah, to ever do it. And, yep. and it's it's been eleven years since a position player got a win. That was mm-hmm. Brent Main. And mm-hmm. that was also like a sixteen inning game. But it's only happened a handful of times, Coach, because a lot of position players have pitched. It usually, you know, it, it'll happen to the Cubs about once every three years. You know, it happens about ten times a year. A, a guy will go out there and pitch for his team. Usually, they're losing twenty two to one when that happens. Not in a critical game for two teams vying for first place in their division. So he came in and pitched in the top of the 19th, Wilson Valdez. I love his quote afterwards, too. He said, I could have gone three, four more innings. 
Uh, and he, he pitched, and then fortunately for Philadelphia in the bottom of the 19, Raul Banez hits a sack fly, and they win the ball game, and everybody's um, mobbing Wilson Valdez after the game. He gets the win. I like when he shook off the catcher on one play. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was pretty good. And you could see the batters knowing that it was a position player, Big Doug. It was a clear case of trying too hard. Yeah, and do you all know three, you all three outs were pop ups. They were trying to jack the ball into the park. Did you did you did you see who he faced? <laughs> it was Joey Votto, rating NL MVP, who by the way is continuing to just kill the ball. Um, oh, I got to remember who was batting for. Uh, it was Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jay Bruce, who by the way going into that at bat, Jay Bruce had all the RBIs for the Reds throughout the day and a home run, yep. and had done nothing but hit line drives all over the park all day long, and he popped up. Yeah, every one, every one of the guys knew it was a position player. They thought they could be a hero, and you know that goes back to little league days. You you try too hard, and uh, can work against you. It was pretty pretty funny to watch. And he gets the uh, the win, and the Phillies pull it out. What five four and nineteen innings? Half the well, not half the people, but the the camera showed all the the fans, and there was like a good many of them sleep. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of people asleep. Coach, you know, I've never pitched, but in high school, I actually came in in a critical part of an extra inning game in the mm-hmm. middle of a doubleheader. Yeah, and uh, I got, I got, I got a pop up. They all knew I was a position player. I talked smack. Everybody knew that I, you know, I was always in outfield and stuff, or playing third base. And then I struck out a guy. And I'm not saying I'd ever be a good pitcher, but I, I would say that 99.9 percent of it was. The other point one percent was luck, and the other part was the fact that they were trying so hard to absolutely kill me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were like, "Oh, this guy's—he's not a pitcher." I swear, the guy grunted when he popped up the first time. Did you walk anybody? No, I, I no faced walk? two batters, coach. There I faced go. two batters. There you and go. Got a pop up and a strikeout. I did so well that later in the game, um, later in the year, they let me start it because we were mm-hmm. really in serious what? mood for for uh, for pitching. What level was this? Now was this high school varsity? Uh, this is yeah, well, no. This is this is summer league team. So this isn't the high school. This isn't playing at Downsville North. This is just the summer league team. But we used okay. to travel around. So I start another game, and coach, I only gave up two earned runs that game in three innings. So it's not that bad. The, the problem is I gave up like twelve runs. Now you got to have fielders behind you. <laughs> well, I, I would have to say I'd have to get somebody out too every once in a while. That didn't help your ERA, huh? Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. My ERA didn't look that bad. It was still at that point because I had like three and two thirds innings. Mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it was a little bit over five. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't so bad. I don't anybody else know that I gave up like twenty-seven hits. I've told you many times my pitching career started and ended uh, pretty much the same year. I'm so old, there really was barely. I'm not exaggerating here. There was barely any version of Little League in the town that I. Grew up in the poor, downtrodden town of Winnetka, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's the drug coach. Somehow fought my way through the streets of Winnetka, but we really didn't have a little league. But uh, <laughs> well, why didn't why didn't one, why didn't one of the kids just go buy a piece of land and take it easy? Park? Take it easy. We didn't have uniforms either. If that makes you feel any better, we had shirts and hats. But not bad. Yeah, thank you. But in my one year of organized play, I did start out as the starting pitcher. I think I've told you this before. And then by like the middle of the season, I was like the number three or four pitcher. Uh-huh. Two-thirds of the way through the season, I was like in the bullpen, desperation only. And by the end of the season, I had worked my way to permanent first base. And that was pretty much my one-year of pitching expertise. That's not bad, though, Coach. At yeah. least you got to feel all the highs and the lows. Absolutely. First, it went from high to low, which usually is the most fun way to do it. <laughs> 
I fought my way down into the gutter. Yeah. But I was the starter at the beginning of the season. I've told you this before, too. I haven't, haven't seen the guy since he was probably 10 years old, 11 years old. But I, I still blame Hunter Judson. I've told you the story in the radio show. No, you haven't. Before. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. Um, hit you? I blame Hunter Judson for the end of my pitching career because, or the, the de- beginning of the demise of my pitching career. I'll still never forget it. Starting the first game, and we're up against this team. Back then, they didn't divide teams evenly, so it was like our local school's team against another local school. They had all the jocks in their team, so I'm like major fear factor. Started the game, first batter, first batter pops it up to second base, and I'm like, yes. That's what I need. Pop up. Hunter Judson right there at second base, camped out, waits for it to come down, hits the glove, drops on the ground. They proceed to score about five or six runs in the first inning. I say to this day, if Hunter Judson caught that ball, Big Doug, it might have been me, not Wilson Valdez, coming in in relief yesterday. No, I, I got to be. I don't remember you telling me that story. Now I remember why I don't remember you telling me that story. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't very interesting. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, now, see, what you needed, Coach, yeah. what you needed was a really good catcher that uh, would be able to calm you down, keep you within your stuff. You wouldn't have dropped from the first to the third to the last so quick. I'm telling you. If, if, you, you, had, if, you, if you had Buster Posey, Coach. Who I want to get to. So, yeah, who's somebody tough behind the plate who the Giants are going to miss big time, mm. you would have probably made. You're a lefty. Well, you're a lefty, coach. I know. You're, you're a little bit of an athlete. A tall, you have a sense about the game. Tall, lanky lefty. Oh, uh, do you think you could have thrown at least uh, 83 miles an hour? Tell, no. But I'm telling you right now, if Hunter Judson would have caught that ball, there's no telling which way my career. You know how sometimes one thing can determine the avenue that you head down? Uh-huh. It was that one drop fly ball, big dog, that sent me down the uh, the wrong path. And by the way, I'm just going to throw this out here. Yes, you could have thrown 83 miles an hour. If you would have worked on it, started mm-hmm. at the age of 10. Okay. I, I don't think you can work yourself to a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You're mm-hmm. going to have to have at least some base of 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 a great athlete, great arm to get up into that range. Mm-hmm. But Coach, I think pretty much anybody with athletic ability and skill and determination can work themselves up to a plus 80-mile-an-hour fastball. Okay. I really believe that. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Martinez, as long as you don't believe that uh, that he took steroids, you know, started doing the long toss, mm-hmm. and, started, and he went from, like, 88 to, like, 98 mm-hmm. in, like, seven years. It took him, and he just did long. So there's ways. You could have got up to 80 miles an hour. Anybody okay. out there that wants to learn how to throw 80-plus, if you want a kid that wants to get a scholarship, contact JoelRedWanskid.com. <laughs> Pitching coach. I, I, I know the Augie Garrido uh, workouts. I know them all, coach. You sit. You can sit down with me for two hours, have a workout with your kid. I'll leave, and then you can watch the kid do this every other day. And next thing you know, the kid will be a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. All right. His arm will be hanging off. We might have some desperate parents out there that are frustrated. Their kid's not pitching better. That might want to uh, contact Joel. You can uh, send us an email at Mike Two Guys M I C in the number two Mike. Two guys at AOL.com will pass on the info to pitching One expert. Thing I can do, Coach. Yes, I have sir. the nastiest circle change of anybody who is, does not have any, you know, pitching expertise whatsoever. Uh-huh. Coach, you got to see this. Circle change, because that's my specialty pitch is the super slow. How does the circle change differ? Because I can pitch the super slow better than anybody out there. Okay, here, here you go, Coach. I want you to look right at David Olson or look right into the camera right now yep. and give somebody the okay sign and give a good, nice smile. The you know okay sign? Yeah, do, do the okay sign. Okay. Okay, now that's how you pick the baseball up. And you oh, put that's it, how you, you – okay. So when, you're, when your fingers are like in that circle, mm-hmm. you put them into the circle part of the laces. Mm-hmm. 
So you hold your you hold the baseball like that, and then you you just wrap your hand around it so it's in your palm, and then you just throw it as hard as you possibly okay. can. Uh-huh. But the ball, your arm so is going they... a million miles an hour, but the ball comes out mm-hmm. at that speed, and it has that crazy rotation on it. It's, it's the, I don't know what it is. I can't throw a curveball, mm-hmm. but I can throw a circle change that's just nasty. Curve. And it doesn't have movement on the ball. It's just the speed of the arm compared to the ball coming out so slow that oh, throws no, no, off. No. It, it has movement. Oh, it, it does. Has, it, if you were a lefty, it uh-huh. has down and away action. Uh-oh. So you would throw that, like, you would, you, what you do is you work the outside corner with the fastball. Yeah. And then, you know, get a call strike, you're up 0-1, mm-hmm. and then you work inside, bust him in on the hands. And when you get two strikes on him, you throw that in it. And well. like Christy Matthewson would just... He would smile and still fade away. Where were you 46 years ago when I was in the mound struggling after the runner had reached first base on a dropped Hunter Judson fly ball? I could have used that uh, pitching expertise at that point, Big Dog. Well, I was probably in in line on Route 59 trying to get on the train. <laughs> I was I was probably unable to get on. Have you ever been out to Naperville, by the way? Yes. Anybody that loves good Indian food and loves Indian people, mm-hmm. please move out to, move out to Nap- Naperville with us. Coach, I swear to you, I was on Route 59 today. It took about 27 minutes to get on the train. Okay, it's a, a one-minute stop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is new New Delhi. And honestly, Coach, move on out to Naperville if you love Indian food. Yeah. Do you like uh, the new downtown Naperville better or old Naperville? Uh, I'm much, much better fan of old Naperville because yeah. i got to be honest with you, mm-hmm. so when a chick wears an Amish suit, <laughs> There's something about when a woman leaves everything to the imagination, and I mean everything. Uh-huh. And I go down to Old Naperville, down to the, down to Dawson's Mill, and all that. And they they're, they're in there crunching up the corn, and and then like doing the flour. And there's coasters, oh, that earthy smell. There's some. Yeah, I'm the girl with the little stubble. <laughs> So there, there's a lot of uh, tradition, some good spots in Old Naperville, no question about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think John Naper, the guy who who uh, created the settlement down there, uh-huh. and they still run it like it's it's it's, uh, it's not not what he had in mind. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Well, no. but, uh, I don't think he really uh, saw Naperville becoming so diverse. Mm-hmm. Is the best way for me to. That I, would, I think he'd be a little surprised and upset, to be honest. He's probably rolling, if not praying, in his grave right now. We'll tell you though, the Amish version of the tilted kilt bar. Not bad for for entertainment purposes only. You know, that might be a good parody, Coach. Huh? Well, forget that parody. Might be a That's... good parody commercial. Yeah. You know, like, because like, there's a lot of girls that get upset that in order to work there, they have to wear those freaking outfits. Yep. So they have a, you have an option of which bar you want to go to. Mm-hmm. I like Not it. Bad. Not I bad. like it. I like it. Very good. See, positive educational suggestions from the big dog and coach. Now, now uh, what do you call the the time in an Amish person's life when they become an adult and you send them out about their way so they romsputin, romsbakatin? I, w- I was going to guess puberty. Um, I'm, I'm sure. I, I well, Ramadan, Ramadan is the period you know that, where they can't. Eat or drink, I think, for from day sun up to sun yeah, down. Yeah, that, that's for that's if you're Muslim and yes, they have nothing to do. Okay, I would thought that of all people, David Olson would actually know this, but that's what we should call the the bar, Coach. <laughs> that we open up uh-huh. because it's like it's about you, you. The Amish people let their hair down. You know, they they start smoking cigarettes, they drink alcohol, they go out and they they experience what it's like to be a heathen, mm-hmm. and then they determine whether or not they want to go back to the Amish. Way of life. It's not bad. Or or or, or stick to what they're what they're what they're doing. Uh-huh. I, I like what it. They call it, Coach. 
I like it. I think you've come up with a, a very successful idea. It could be the like the 63rd good idea that we've come up with that we probably won't follow through and do. Have you ever ate an Amish meal? It's some good cooking, Coach. I don't think... Conservatives, nothing. It's, it's some good food, especially if you like sausage. I don't know. That could be a problem. I like sausage, but sausage doesn't like me. Okay. They, well, they, 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 cook, they cook it up pretty good, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm willing to give it a shot. Willing to give it a shot. Uh... All right, let's continue on in baseball. So we had the 19-inning game, longest in baseball this year, where the Phillies knock off the Reds. Uh, the White Sox lose to Texas yesterday. Big Dog 2-1. to one. They couldn't get a big hit late in the game. The mm-hmm. kind of games I would think the Sox dug themselves a hole in order to get out of that hole. That's the kind of games they need to win, no? And their biggest problem, Coach, is, you know, we talked a couple of days ago about how the Bulls shouldn't panic when they have the ball next to the hole. You're the one in control. Relax. Dunk the ball, you know. Don't take a crazy shot. Mm-hmm. When runners are in scoring position, you got runners on base. White Sox, the pitcher is the one in problem. Yep. In the problem, and you don't have to hit a home run in every swing. Every single one of their ground ball double plays yesterday, coach, which I believe totaled to the number of four. You have one. It's frustrating. Okay, you have one double play in a game. It'll just drive you crazy. You get four of them. If you're a White Sox fan. You're pulling your hair out yesterday. Every single one of those pitches were low and away. The guy was trying to hit the ball at the ballpark. Turns over on the pitch, rolls to Elvis Andrews, six, four, three, mm-hmm. inning done. You know, how many hits they have yesterday? And they only scored one run. So yeah, yeah frustrating day. But it, it was basically a whole entire lineup trying to win the game with one swing continually. And all you got to do is just go up there and swing a good stick. It's a good psychological analysis. They wasted also a good Gavin Floyd pitching performance, seven innings. I think he only gave up three hits, but I like. The psychology you're talking about, the pressure is on the pitcher. The batter up yeah. there, relax. He's got to come to you. Yeah. He's got to come to you. Batting and hitting is such, it's a difficult skill, and it's such a psychological skill. And you can see White Sox struggling, particularly two guys that, boy, just season-long slumps, Big Doug. Adam Dunn and Alex Rios really are on a funk, capital F. Yes, yes. And they have, you know, like uh, if you're watching a game yesterday, Adrian Beltran hasn't got a hit like in a week, and everything is a line drive rocket at somebody. You know, you watch Dunn and Rios at bat. They're struggling, and they have looked awful. Alex Rios had a really good game the other day, and I, and I was like, it looked so good compared to the previous day. I'm like, did he turn the corner? And then the next day, just a bunch of brutal at bats. Yesterday, two of the double plays by the White Sox happened with, obviously with one out, but first and third. Mm-hmm. So any type of legitimate contact, you get that guy in from third, and Gavin Floyd doesn't get a loss. A day baseball game in Texas with that lineup, you hold a team to two runs over seven innings, you deserve to win. Mm-hmm. The, the ball flies out of that park during the daytime. So, yeah, it's a Gavin Floyd, nice sign for the for the West Sox. He's been good the last five, six times yeah. out. Sox taking on uh, Toronto, a little series coming up starting tonight. By the way, uh, speaking of baseball, both yourself and uh, highly respected, or at least it used to be highly respected producer David Olson, taking a lot of shots and hits on our email, on our website, and particularly from my uh, particular home where I live, about your opinion when we brought it up. And I think it's going to come to fruition because yesterday's games were rained out where a particular high school has their state tournament baseball game and their graduation. Both you guys said you play the baseball game, no question about it. And both of Without a doubt, if my, if, if my parents would not allow me to play, I would be. I can't even explain the disgust uh, I would have. Well, I'm just saying there was a lot of disgust coming from our listeners yesterday and from my personal household with the both of you. Uh, there, so there appears to be some differentiation of opinion. 
I'm not. I'm not about to. I'm not about to bash anybody else's opinion. Mm-hmm. Walking down. I mean, legitimately graduating from high school. It should be the whole entire process, the party with your family afterwards, to actually miss walking down. They don't actually hand you the diploma. It's empty. So it's it's nothing but ceremonial. I mean, to be honest with you, a kid works four years. Yes, he wants to. It's disappointing for the kid. I'm sure he'd want to walk down the aisle. But but a parent to deliberately pull them away from a game that they would rather be playing in Mm -hmm. just so they could be appeased. Oh, look, that's my child walking down the aisle. You know what? You'd probably be a much better parent if you let them do what they wanted to do with a four-year dream. They have teammates that depend on them also to uh, let them play in the game. Sometimes in life, you have to make hard choices, and that would be one of them. Uh, The kid doesn't want to miss walking down the aisle either. I'm sure Mm -hmm. he's devastated by it too, but to pull him away from his teammates? It's too bad. That that would be – I wouldn't be able to handle a coach. Baseball would be one thing. Of course, I quit baseball, then play senior – but if it was like football, just I know it's a different time of year and all that, there would be no way. Uh-uh. No chance. No chance. The kid, you can say he only gets to graduate once. How, how much will he really remember walking through a gym, walking up onto a, 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 a podium, have somebody shake their hand who won't even remember their name in, in 30 seconds later, <laughs> and, and when they open it up, oh, let's see the diploma. Oh, it's not even in there? Uh-huh. Oh, that's right, because they have to make sure you really graduated. So you didn't even technically really, truly graduate. Big Doug destroying all the feel-good for all of our high school graduates out there who just recently graduated or about to graduate. Uh, no, no, no. Congratulations. I, and you yeah. need to keep on getting as as educated. Stay and, in school, and, fool. And I am not downgrading education yeah. or high school education. Let, let's get this straight. The, the value should be what you've learned in school, not some piece of paper that some guy hands you uh, for a, a ceremony that you have to sit in a gym with 2,000 people and sweat and be totally uncomfortable and mm-hmm. hear the same cliche thing over and over again. Well, you uh, played 26. Who's going to be the speaker at the, at the who's the, what, what do they call the, the, what do they call the, the valedictorian? The... No, 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 the person that speaks. They always get like a guest speaker. They, they got a special name that, that does a commencement speech. The commencement speaker. Okay, that's, yes, coach. <laughs> I don't know, you have a great vocabulary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless it's somebody good like Emo Phillips, yeah. I, I really don't need to go. <laughs> Not sure where Emo Phillips came from, but yeah, I... He went to Donner's Grove North. Well, all right, here. He went to my high school, that's why. Here's I, what here's what your favorite emailer, Cinemax Cindy, said, who, uh, by the way, is not... Because of your comments uh, two days ago, you may have lost one of your favorite stalkers, Cinemax Cindy. But she's I, saying, I, 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 "Hey, I have a new one. Tell, <laughs> tell the big dog they play baseball all their life. This year they've probably played twenty to twenty-five baseball games. You are with your senior class for graduation one time <laughs> and one time only. You need to be at the graduation. You can miss just the one game. Again, that's coming from the beautiful, lovely, and somewhat adulterous Cinemax Cindy. Uh, Cinemax Cindy." And she's exactly right. Every point that she makes, sorry to cut you off, Dave. So you go ahead and finish it because I know what you're going to say. Go right ahead, my friend. Finish it. Mm-hmm. State yeah. tournament. Same thing. Well, if it was a state championship game, that'd be different. No, no. Why would it be different, Coach? It's still changing. Oh, it'd be different. You of all people to say that. I'm no, come on, Big Doug. The, the, the journey is just as. No, no, no. Stop with the cliche. Stop with the cliche. Second every round state, of the. Every, every single one of those kids has a dream of playing the state championship game. Yeah. You know, you don't go into the state tournament being like, "Hey, let's win one." No, you don't. All right. Are you are you done, uh, Frank? Are you done, uh, Vince Lombardi? 
with the pep talk? I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. Now, if it's the first or second round of the state tournament, it's still a very tough call. If you had won five or six or seven games and you were in the state championship game, I'm not even saying the decision is different, but it's it's a different situation. Well, I, 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 I guess I would have to say because if, if that really was the option, I mean, I would, I, I would like personally yeah. uh, abduct a child for a couple hours, get them to the game, mm-hmm. okay, and then have somebody videotape the the commencement and have them just like Photoshop the kids and hand it to the kids. The way reality TV or reality uh, video works right now, you could probably put yourself right in. You could I'm, actually I would hire Woody Harrelson out for play me and sure. actually get because since I'm not really getting the diploma when you go on the stage. Uh-huh. Remember this, people. The one time you get to be with you, it's all it's it is a botched up. I don't look. I, don't uh, I just find it. You know, I didn't even go to my college graduation. I, I, I didn't either. So I graduated from college, mind you. Was the president of the college. I had something to do. So I didn't go. My mom was mad about that. My mom, you have no Wait, idea. Wait, senior. Was extremely upset. Senior year, you you were the president. Uh, we, yeah, I was the president and, of and my you college. Did, and, and you did, and you were at a small school. And you did not end. Uh, you did not attend the graduation. No, I did not go. I, I'm with your mom on this one. And Cinemax. Oh, she India. was. Oh, she was livid. Totally livid. But uh, to me, it's only a ceremony. I graduated. I. And you know what's even more important than me going to that ceremony was the fact that when I was in school. I busted my butt for four years, got straight A's, was an honor roll student, was the captain of the football team and the, and the president of the student body. It wasn't that I, I got a piece of paper one day. I had made plans, didn't realize it was uh, the commencement weekend. Oh, my mom to this day, I don't don't even get me started with that. I'm hoping she's not listening right now. Okay. <laughs> mom, mom, if you are listening, you want to get something off your uh, chest, 888-463-6748. What better time than to fire on your son than right here on the TalkZone.com airwaves? It was a Grateful Dead show. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. And I started a long tour. So I went to, I don't know, about 25 shows after that. But I started, instead of going to my graduation, I started my tour with Dead that summer. Mm-hmm. I, Which, I made about $25,000. I was going to say, to do it again. To this day, uh, money per hour spent, that was still your best paying job ever. Ever, ever. Yeah, amongst many. No, no, no. I'm going to have to say when i when uh doing the signatures, ah. organizing uh, the Chicago homeless okay. to go out and gather signatures. Mm-hmm. For uh, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents here in Cook County, so okay. without question, that was the most money I've ever made per hour, without a doubt. You got a dollar per signature. Well, yeah, but then I would have to pay out uh, like fifty cents. So I was getting about fifty cents a signature. I would get a dollar for everyone I got. Most of these people have no idea who they were signing for. No, I have no idea. That's yeah, nice to know our political system hard at work, and you were part of the uh... hey, homeless people, Coach. Homeless people going out saying, "Yo, yo, yo, sign this <laughs> for me." You All know? right. So, and people are like, oh, instead of asking me for money, you ask for a signature. No problem. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> All right. Eight 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 four six three six seven four. One more baseball note, and then I know you want to jump off the uh, sports page, and I have some strong feelings on this one. Again, a catcher was injured yesterday. I don't know if you saw the play or not, Big Dub. Oh, yeah, I've seen it uh, over and over again. Right, just describe it real quick, and I want to hear your thoughts, because I, uh, once again, this comes up, it seems like once or twice a year, and I go strong with my opinion, but to describe the play real quick. Uh, quite simply, last night in the, the Giants-Marlins game, a Scott Cousins backup for the Marlins came flying around, uh, and on a 
a fly ball in a 6-6 game, ran over Buster Posey. And uh, Buster Posey was blocking the plate, giving the guy no no uh, plate whatsoever. When Buster Posey, uh, Buster Posey caught the ball, Scott Cousins obliterated him, ran over Buster Posey. And the way Buster Posey was when he caught the ball – he wasn't in a position to adjust before the hit, and it rolled his ankle. They had x-rays. is not broken, but something is at least severely sprained, hopefully not torn. But he's got a very – I know sprain is a degree of torn, but I mm-hmm. hope it's not, like, ripped in half. Do you know what I mean? Ho- hopefully it's just a really bad sprain for the guy. Vicious, uh, a vicious, vicious, vicious hit. hit. Yep, and yeah. basically the runner running full speed, lowering his shoulder, and not like Poorly football. Clean. The uh, You know, the catcher's got a little chest protector on, but that thing's nothing like the uh, the football equipment they have. And I, I've said this before uh, over and over again, Big, that that should never be allowed. And you got the hard asses out there all say, ah, that's part of the game. You know, that's part of what being a catcher is. you got to block the play. No, there should never, it should never be allowed where a runner can lower his shoulder going full speed and just drill an unprotected catcher who's watching just, the ball just, come in. By the way, Coach, first of all, before you do that, I just want to let everybody out there know it was a completely and 100% legal hit. Whether you determine it's clean or not, I felt it was clean. And second, legal illegal to run anybody over in the game of baseball, Coach, unless they are obstructing the base you are attempting to go to. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that there isn't rules. Like, you can just do that. No, you can't just run over somebody. That's wrong. If the guy gives you zero part of the plate, then what other what other option? What are you going to do then, Coach? Mm -hmm. If you don't want it in the game, you have to you, you complain about a lot of stuff. If you don't want it in the game, you have to explain to me what the rules you have to change in order to have the, uh, Scott Cousins not run over. Buster you have Posey. come to the right man, my friend, because I have specific. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but I have specific uh, rule things that I will address with you in this situation. Once again, I hope Bud Selig or Wendy Selig or any members of the Selig family are listening, because it's real simple. Uh, first of all, catchers should not, any baseman should not block the plate, especially Correct me if I'm wrong. Buster Posey was waiting for the ball to come in. He didn't have the ball, right? He did not have the ball. Okay. He caught it yep. legitimately less than half a okay. second before contact. So he was blocking the entire plate, yeah. uh, waiting for the ball to come in. All right, so very real simple. That should not be allowed. Here's what you tell the runner and the umpire. If a catcher or any baseman is blocking the plate and they don't clearly have the ball way in front of the play, Okay. The runner must try to avoid the tag, and if he tries to avoid and is out because of the avoidance, the umpire calls interference and the runner is safe. Very, very simple. So you do not allow. What the catcher has to show the, the, the runner at least half of the plate. That way there's no, and then if a guy barrels into you, then the runner is thrown out and he should be suspended for three games, five games, seven games. But the, the catchers need to be taught to, to, to not block the entire plate when they're waiting, waiting for a throw-in. And if they are, the runner has to avoid them, and the umpire should call them safe for the avoidance. Oh, uh, that sounds like a What's nightmare. Right? What are you as, talking about? As an umpire. Why? There's just way too much going on there. I, 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 Coach, I, I love your spirit of people trying to avoid people getting completely annihilated yes. when, when they don't have to. Yeah, silly right? me, just trying to avoid that. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, but... There are, by the way, just before we go to the next thing, the NFL actually clarified their rules, which I was begging for them to do last year over mm-hmm. head hunting and all that, and I absolutely love it. I the do, NFL too. Hit a home run with this one, Cole, yep. because stuff like 
barely touching a quarterback's head when yep. you, there was no intention is no longer yep. a foul. Completely okay. with you on this, Big Dog. And, and other stuff, because, like, uh, Coach, I, I swear to you, I got this one right. Okay, we argue about this one. We can go on and on about this home plate and all that. The, the football one, this is exactly what I wanted. There's mm-hmm. got to be, you can't take great hits out of the game just because well, sometimes it's going to happen, Coach. If I played football at people at my skill level for 16 games, I'm going to do some stuff where you would say that's cheap. And to be yeah. honest with you, I'm going to tell you every time there was nothing I could have done about it, but unless I just decided to quit playing and let the guy run. But the key is, Big Dog, the key is the definition of a great hit. Is it a great hit when a receiver has is turning back to the ball and catches the ball and I launch my body in the air when he can't even see me and I level him? I would argue no, that is not. A great hit. Well, yeah, and now so they've I, changed the I, I, rule. Let the runner reestablish. Let, let him see the defender coming. Now, when he gets his feet set, tries to go upfield, and he sees me, and I level him with a straight-on, shoulder-on-shoulder tackle, that is a great hit. They've gotten uh, gotten rid of, and I think it's a great rule change, the launching of unprotected receivers. And by the way, just I, I would teach a little differently. If I saw something perfect, they would have hit you right between their nipples as hard as they possibly could. Well, when I wasn't looking? No, no, while you were looking, oh, you were looking at me, I dropped my hips, and then next thing you know, I'm looking at you face-to-face as I'm slamming you to the ground. What did I say different than that? No, you go shoulder on shoulder. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. The only reason why is coach. Chest against I, I chest, yes. We, we really need to teach kids to play football the right way. We'll get back to this baseball thing, because I think it's all part of it. It's all about the spirit of, the, of playing game. you got to teach kids to play the sport the right way. I, if, if I ever end up in a situation where I'm coaching Little League football with kids, they're going to know that they're going to tackle with their head up, and their head is never going to be down. That's why, because when you go to the shoulder, people drop their heads, they turn their heads, and next you know you got neck and, and shoulder situations and, and missed tackles. So it's fundamentally sound. I'm going to teach you kids, keep your head up. You, you keep your eye on the football, and when you run into somebody, you barrel into them with your chest and your mm-hmm. arms fly out, and you knock the ball out. Yep. An emphasis on playing the ball instead of playing the man is what – Little League football needs to make the NFL a safer game in, in 10, 15 years. It's a whole teaching of the game that needs to happen. You cannot ask a guy that's eight years into the NFL and start finding him for playing the exact way he's played his whole entire life, Coach. I really find that almost absurd, and especially you're finding the guy and putting pictures of the hit up on NFL.com and selling them for $50 a piece. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So the NFL really needed to get their act yeah. together. And in order to make it the type of game that both of us want, which is quite simple, I ain't going to lie, a violent game, a fun game, you know, people running into each other at full speed, but I also want it to be a safe game. And yeah. that's start with Little League Coach. And if people are wondering what we're talking about, the NFL did address – kind of a tweak and fine-tune and, and specify some of the rule changes that they've put in. Uh-huh. And some of the hardcore NFL fans, oh, you're, you know, you're pussifying the game, you're making no, no, it too. No, no, it, it, no, I think it's defining what yes. is legal and what is illegal a lot better than they did in the I was irate in the middle of the season because they just started <clears throat> fining people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, one, like, a couple of the fines were, a couple of the ones on uh, big old 92, the best defensive player in the AFC outside of Troy Palomo, uh, James Harrison. Uh, Coach, they were violent, ridiculously violent, and you got mad because really he didn't need to hit them that hard. They weren't they weren't dirty hits though. But you're right, he may have been excessive. I, I, finding guys for that, I, I find that hard. I just don't like that, Coach. Mm-hmm. Just because one guy can absolutely think... kill somebody, if it's a legal hit, don't find him. He didn't launch himself. He didn't hit the guy unprotected. He didn't mm-hmm. hit him in the head. He just ran through him. 
Okay, so should the guy be other guy be fined? Maybe they should have fined the guy that was supposed to block James Harrison because if he actually <laughs> would have blocked him, James Harrison would have annihilated the running back. Yeah, I think uh, that was the play that I looked back on, I, and I claimed I didn't even remember disagreeing with the hit. You said I did, but I remember looking back on it, and I completely agreed with you when I watched the replay of the hit. It was like that. That's perfectly legal, vicious, hard, yeah, but 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 clean and legal. So yeah, hopefully they figure something. Hopefully it's more defined, mm-hmm. and I think. I felt they did a good job about it. So now going down to baseball, now what is baseball going to do about these situations? Now, since they don't happen very often, Coach, I don't think they're going to do anything about it. Nothing. You won't even hear somebody bring – unless it happens again, and it happens soon to like yeah. a top-notch catch, catcher, yeah. you won't hear a squeak about this ever happening. See, here's the, here's the other thing that bothers me about it, Big Dog, is the runner. Even though, yes, the catcher was blocking the plate, the runner made no attempt – to slide for the plate. No attempt. He'd simply lowered his shoulder and was going to try to barrel over there, the catch. There yeah. was, he, he could not have. There's, Coach, as a runner, in the situation he was put in yesterday, if, if Scott Cousins barely makes the major leagues, okay, he's getting a chance to play. You're Scott Cousins running around the corner. Mm-hmm. Forget about the fact that you think <clears> that it's wrong, okay? In order for you to stay in the major leagues, you got to play the game to the, uh, to the utmost of its rules and within the rules. He's giving you no part of the plate. What are you going to do? Just be like, okay, I'm going to be out, and then, my, no, and then maybe who knows, I get cut. Take an outside route and drive around him with my hand. By the I way, mean, that's the new that's the new way to get the home plate. Have you been seeing that version? Uh-huh. That is a uh, let me think of the guy who it was Michael Bourne, the finest slide of the season. Uh, I'm trying to think who the Astros were playing the series before, Coach. Do you know who they were playing before they just got done? Uh, Beating the the Dodgers, well, whoever it was, there was a walk off play. Michael Bourne came in from second. Yeah, Hunt, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence got the base hit. Yeah, and 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 uh, well, this wasn't yesterday. This was from like four days ago. But it's the type yeah. of and you have never go one head first to home plate. The catcher had it thoroughly and totally blocked off. Instead of running him over, Michael Bourne went directly to his side. I mean, like to the side of the catcher and kind of like threw the catcher off because I think the catcher was like. Tightening up, thinking he was going to get hit, and Michael Bourne like kind of like hit the catcher from the side and like slid down his back. And by the way, Michael Bourne is the fastest player in Major League Baseball. So when I'm explaining this, you got to like snap your fingers, and that's how quick all of it was. You wouldn't be able to see it at full speed. It looked kind of awkward when they showed it in slow motion. He's like sliding down the back of the catcher and slapped home plate without making any type of vicious contact mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. And the catcher had the plate totally blocked except behind him. And Michael Bourne, like like I said, as fast as anybody in Major League Baseball was running around and had that left hand, like his arm, like slid down the back of the catcher and slapped home plate as he was going by. It was amazing, Coach. And if he did, he'd have been out. Because the catcher was, he looked like he wasn't a Molina, but he had a body type of a Molina. Mm-hmm. Too bad Scotty Cousins didn't come up with the uh, same strategy that Buster Posey might not be out for the season. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he could have, actually. Yeah. You know, if, if Buster Posey had his feet set right, Coach, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey wasn't in the correct position to catch the baseball. So yeah. as, as, as upset as you are, not, hopefully not as Scott Cousins. Yes. Oh, no. I'm, up, okay. no. I'm upset with Scott Cousins. You are upset. Yes, with Scott I am. Well, you know what, Scott Cousins could really care less right now, and I'm sure he hopes Buster Posey is okay. Uh-huh. I don't think he cares that you don't like well, that particular rule in baseball. Maybe okay? not, but I think it was a Bush League play. That's definitely not Bush League, Coach. Well, I'm telling you, I think it is. Anytime it is not you Bush League. 
a guy, there, there's things that are Bush League. That is definitely not even close to the category, Coach. The guy was playing within the rules, was playing good, hard baseball, ran the catcher over, and the catcher got hurt. Okay, he didn't do anything malicious. Mm-hmm. He wasn't throwing at Buddy's head. That's, wasn't showing somebody that's up. That's your opinion. I would okay. not call it good, clean baseball. I would call okay, it so a he broke up a double play. unnecessary, vicious okay, hit so and an unprotected catch. Earlier in the game, yeah, that creates a run. You have no problem with that, do you? I don't. Before we wrap up oh, today's oh, show, oh, on that same double play that he broke up, he flipped the guy over and he tore his ACL, so he's going to be out for the season. I didn't see that. I, I'd have to see it because there's an injury. That's, no. so, that's so American. I'd have oh, to now, see now it. Let's worry about it. There's a. There's we should have worried about it before. I would have to see it to judge it. I, I can't. I got to look at that play before I say. I'd like to thank. Uh, we don't normally do sponsor reads in this show. I want to thank Sepical, uh Throat lozenges for getting me through today's show. It's been uh, me and my Sepical box big dog have been very close personal friends the last day. Uh, right. And I want to thank you for taking over the uh, yeoman's part of this show, big dog. And hopefully tomorrow uh, you'll be back with some Indy 500 expertise, and we'll uh, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully talking about a preview of a game six, huh? Yeah, you keep on hoping, Coach. Uh-oh. Hey, is today, is today Thursday or Friday? Today, <laughs> Today is Thursday. Why? Oh, it's good to know, Coach. Oh, come on, dog. Give me some hope for tonight's game. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. All right. Big Dog, be good. I will. All right. There it is. The Big Dog checking in. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Hopefully the voice will be back in full action. David Olson, thank you so much. Doing a great job. Appreciate all the listeners out there. TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic signing off. Have a great day, everybody.